Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is a martial artist, producer, writer, actor, stunt coordinator, and stunt performer, and has appeared in nearly a thousand different projects. Some projects you may have seen him in are HBO's The Idol, The Reboot Series, The Santa Clauses with Tim Allen, WMAC Masters, Last Airbender, Green Hornet, Supergirl, Star Wars Obi-Wan, Star Wars Jedi Outcast 2, Ant-Man, and he was also the original stunt double for the Red and Green Rangers on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and so much more. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Eric Betts. How you doing today, sir? Hey, what's going on, Brian? Thanks for having me. Buddy. Hey, thanks for taking the time. I, I truly appreciate it. I know we've been trying to schedule it for a while, and, and it's been kind of crazy schedules for both of us. I'm glad we're finally yeah. able to sit down and chat. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know where that, that first interest, that first spark came from that kind of launched your martial arts journey. You know, it's crazy. It's interesting when when I, that's first of all, an awesome question. And the first thought that immediately came to mind is remembering a cousin of mine, Kendall, who took a uh, family to go see a martial art film. And the film was, uh, as it was for so many people, Enter the Dragon. Nice. And uh, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing on screen, the people I was seeing, the movement I was seeing, the attitude. You know, one of the things that I remember the most is this heavy set guy jumping back and catching his hands and, you know, coming back up onto his feet and how big he was. And I'm like, I can't believe he just did that. <laughs> and I, you know, I, and, and then to remember, you know, Bruce Lee's look on his face when he's just like, I'm not impressed. <laughs> and then uh, the very end where all the monks put their hands up and he does a round of back flip or rather back handspring back flip over the monk's hands as a demonstration of, of the respect that he has for both the what he's done and for them as well. And I say back flip, but what I remembered is a double back flip because the sound editor was so freaking genius that he made the sound of a double back flip when he only did a single. Really? I had to go back and watch it a million times. So I spent a lot of portion of my career, especially trying to break into the industry, but even with just studying as a fan of Bruce Lee, a double back flip. <laughs> That's I never I never noticed that before. I'll have to go back and watch Man, that again. If you listen, yep, if you listen to the sound, it goes and I'm like, Well, oh, you did two. I gotta learn two. I can't do one. That's awesome. Yeah. So that that movie was, you know, it basically set me in a path of of wanting to move like that, to wanting to to study martial arts anywhere I could. Uh, grew up in a single family household. Mom could not afford martial art classes, let alone all the other stuff that I was interested in doing, mm -hmm. and still pay all the bills, man. You know, it was a. Uh, we're talking, you know, uh, the the mid and early seventies, and it was expensive. It was just way too expensive, and with a schedule of working your butt off to keep a roof over your head, uh, this little dreamer was like, what are we going to do? And trying to figure out, like, how are we going to get him into some place where he can continue to watch this? At the time, I was probably living in Springfield, Massachusetts, and 
we went to a drive-in. <laughs> For those of you that know what nice. drive-ins are, I don't. I don't even. Know. Does Minnesota have a uh, drive-in? There's actually uh, two active drive-ins within about two hours of my house each direction. No way. Yeah, yeah. There's one that's been there. I think they've both been there over like 50, 60 years. I I try to make it to one. Oh my! I have, didn't get to go to one this past summer, but I try to make it to one every summer. It's it's so much fun and. And what's funny well, is you I, you mentioned Enter the Dragon. The first time I saw it on the big screen was six months ago when they brought it back for the 50th anniversary. No. Yeah. So oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I just can't, wow. the, the experience of seeing it when it first came out just blows my mind. That's so cool. Oh, man, man. I would have, I would, I would honestly kill to be able to take my kid. I'll tell you one of, <sighs> one of the greatest things that happened with COVID is drive-in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. LA had a drive-in movie theater and I was just like, this is so cool. Like the whole family is able to have that experience, especially my, my now 21 year old son can actually say he's been to a drive-in because it was so cool, man. It was awesome. Yeah, all three of my kids have been to one, so at least a couple times. That's amazing. Yeah. What a gift. What and, and a it's, gift. Obviously, it's Minnesota, so only in the summer. <laughs> obviously, they don't, right, don't right. have it in the winter. It's usually like May through about early October when they stay open usually, so... But yeah, and I, and I even looked if, if one of them would have had enter the dragon, I would have went to it in a drive-in, but it was (laughs) one local theater had one showing of it and that was it. And, and I was amazing. Amazing. Now Minnesota's on the map. Exactly. And my 19 year old son wanted to go with, so he actually, and actually we saw it, I I live in Moorhead, Minnesota, which is across the river from Fargo, North Dakota. So we actually saw the enter the dragon in Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. See now, now Minnesota (laughs) absolutely is on my list of places to visit because that's pretty cool. That makes that city and state awesome. I'm trying to think, nice, were man. you ever here? Were you? Did you ever go to like the Diamond Nationals to promote anything? Because that's a Minneapolis. I haven't, believe it or not. Okay. Nope, I okay. haven't. Uh, I always listen to my buddy from WMAC Masters, Richard Brandon, talk yep. about going out there and, and quite a few others, quite a few others, but no. I met, it's met Richard. That's interesting because you said that name, the Diamond Nationals. That's crazy. Yeah. That is so strongly associated with Richard Brandon for me. It's interesting. Yes. I, I, met, I first saw him perform i think in 1990 when i was 16 and i, I met him a couple times uh, at the diamonds just such an amazing performer such a cool guy wow. yeah. yeah man yeah I i've actually pull, pulled a handful of my guests from that that i met at the diamonds back then i mean i've had uh like charlie lee on my show and i had uh carmichael simon on here and carmichael <laughs> yep chris casamasa a lot of those guys chris. from back yeah, in the day that I, I met 20 30 years ago and then you know, it's like, hey, you want to do my show? <laughs> and luckily, they most of them had said yes. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, I mean, Carmichael, what a freaking talent, man! He yes. was a sick, 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 talented guy back in the WMC Masters in ninety five. Yep. And uh, I mean, just you know, just incredible. Introducing movement I hadn't even seen before, and even I, you know, interesting segue to WMC Masters. But the talent on that show, yes, coming from my background, I spend so much time often feeling like, how the heck did I get here? <laughs> because they are such, there was, I mean, the men and women on that show that they brought in, it was a gift, man. It was yep. a blessing and a gift. I've had, I think, oh, close to half of them on my show now. Jamie Webster, wow. Christine Bannon-Rodriguez, uh, no Herb, Herb, Herb Perez. Yeah. Yeah. I've yes. had a lot Herb. of them on the show. So I've been lucky. I've been very lucky I that I keep it, saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice that's nice. awesome that's cool. awesome yeah a little bit of a sidetrack there but yeah back to back to that so, no, 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 yeah. so how did how did it lead to you actually getting into to lessons then wow oh, geez uh quite saw quite a few movies since mm-hmm. since that time 
I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, for the most part. There was a movie theater called The Pagoda. It was located in the absolute worst place you could imagine for a child. Uh, if, anybody, if any parent were to go back and go on Google and type in The Pagoda Theater and look at the district, it was in the red light district wow. so, uh, of Boston. So my grandmother would take me to these movies because she knew at this point I was a huge fan because I was watching on Saturdays Kung Fu Theater. And on, I believe, WLVI Channel 56, quick plug out there for Boston. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, man, I grew up watching these movies over and over and over again. I mean, religiously. Uh, so for two bucks, you could watch three movies wow. uh, and come out with eye strain, which is pretty much what I always did. But to get there, again, the work that it took to get there was uh, walking through an area where my grandmother would cover my eyes and then drop me off. <laughs> wow. It was hilarious, man. Wow. It was hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. At what age did you actually get to take your first official class? There's a very interesting question. Okay. So coming from the movie theater, now it's time for an actual class. And the class my mother was able to find was, uh, again, we grew up in a, a area called Marshfield. And in Marshfield, it's south of Boston. At that time, most people in Boston had not heard or know, knew where Marshfield was. So as you can imagine, martial arts schools and things like that in that area mm -hmm. were, were few and far in between. Yeah. What she was able to find still couldn't afford. My mom drew drove two hours uh, in one direction to go to work every wow. day for six years. Wow. So to just put me in a better neighborhood. And so, you know, although I appreciated all of that, it made, of course, doing things really difficult. Yeah. So she went and found some martial arts schools nearby, tried to find out how much they were and noticed, well, they, most of them had trial-free classes, whether it be for a day, a week, or a month. And she started mapping out areas from one mile to five miles to 10 miles, and we would just kind of venture out further and further and further trying to find schools that I could take classes at or sit down and, and, and watch those classes. And then I'd come home and I'd practice what I've seen. That's so cool. my first exposure to martial arts was with a gentleman named Tom Jordan. And Tom probably doesn't even know, probably doesn't, if he does remember me, I'd be shocked. But more importantly, he probably is shocked. I remember his first and last name. <laughs> he taught Kenpo. And uh, this was way before the perfect weapon. This is, this is like, you know, this is, uh, my gosh, this might be 1981, somewhere in that ballpark. Wow. So, yeah, I, I was able to take exactly 25 days <laughs> of martial arts and try to write down as much as I possibly could find and remember uh, because we didn't have, uh, folks, we didn't have cell phones with cameras to record. So, you know, and we definitely didn't have a, a VHS. And we, we, if anything, people every back then would use eight millimeter and we couldn't afford that. So it was come back home and write down everything you saw, everything you experienced, everything you were taught in a way where you could pull it back later and then practice it immediately before you forgot it all. And that was my first, first, first exposure to martial arts, man. It was uh, Tom Jordan with American Kenpo. That is just cool that you remember that. That's really, <laughs> I'm trying, it's, I know there's a Tom Jordan that was under the, the Tracy system of American Kenpo. Is that, do you know that was the same one or maybe not? I don't even know. I, okay. I have literally, this is probably the second time I've ever said his name in my entire career. Wow. And he was located in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Okay. Underneath a movie theater. 
<laughs> and I really felt like, you know, I felt like he was my Mr. Miyagi. It was absolutely incredible for those days that I was there. I, I, I He really set me off on a path that has continued to become uh, my way of life. So what was it about him? What do you think well, yeah, that for that little amount of time you spent with him, that he had that much of an impact that you remember him to this day? What was it about him that really stood out? A, he opened his door, you know, as it says in the Bible, behold, I, I stand at your door and knock. If you, if, if I hear your voice, I'll open the door and you can come on in. Mm-hmm. His doors were open to everybody at a time. If you think back of where even this country was in 1981, I'm living in a, uh, a very backwooded type area. And I, here I am showing up at your door, like, just like the martial art films, teacher, Teach me, teach me, please. You know, and you guys sits down on his knees and it's raining outside and the doors closed. Well, Tom's doors were wide open and I was so excited, bright eyed, and I'm sure very doe eyed in his eyes. And I'm sure he looked at me and thought, this poor kid, I got to do something for him. And I, I'm sure he recognized that my passion was real. Yeah. And as, as a teacher myself now, I would probably, you know, I don't want to say this and then suddenly have everybody come <laughs> running and knocking on my door. But <laughs> the truth be told, I would teach those students for free. Nice. I know how a student as raw as that is like an uncut diamond to me. And I see it, I feel it, I, and, I, and I envy it, to be honest. And I often think that, you know, the best teachers are our students. And so when I see someone like that, I know I, f- I feel it's an amazing opportunity to, to learn from them just as much as they're learning from me. Yeah. That's just the way you talk about, talk about them. Just, it reminds me of a couple of teachers I've had, but I know one specifically, one of my traditional Taekwondo instructors, there were times even in my adult life where I couldn't afford lessons, you know, unemployed or something was happening in my life or something. And I remember one time he pulled me aside when I hadn't been going to class and I told him what was going on. He's like, he looks at me, he goes, I'm teaching whether you're here or not. So you might as well be here. And that's all Ooh. he said. And he didn't charge me for like, a year. well, he didn't charge me for like a year because he knew I was getting back on my feet. Oh my God. And it was, that's, that's stood with me. And I've been training with him yep. for almost 30 years now. <laughs> so Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like, when you, awesome. when you find a good teacher, <laughs> you definitely know it. Yes. 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 That is cool. And, and that's why Tom Jordan stuck out with me. He has stayed with me forever. Well, Hey, I'm going to have to try to track down Tom Jordan, have him on the show. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you please let me know if you ever find that man, Oh my God, I just want to get in front and say, thank you so much for, for starting that flame and, and for starting my life. I mean, everything I've acquired from, my experience with him uh, has translated down through generations and through the students I've worked with and, and to my own son. I was able to track down, not specifically instructor, it was an assistant instructor that I had. I had, you know, you talked about your Mr. Miyagi. I unfortunately at one point in my life had my John Kreese and just Ooh. someone who had drove me to hate <laughs> martial arts and I was going to quit. Oh no. Way. I've told the story once or twice, so I'll, just, I'll shorten it up a bit, but basically I was going to quit martial arts completely. I hated it that much. And this assistant pulled me aside. He's like, you know, Hey, I, I can tell something's wrong. You're not enjoying this. He goes, I think you should check out this other instructor in town. I really think you'll like him. And that's the guy I've been with now for 30 years. And I was finally about two years ago, was able to track down this gentleman who was a red belt at the time and moved away. He had a job with Best Buy and moved away out East. And I tracked him down on social media like two years ago and got to say thank you. So it's, it's pretty, wow. and he, he barely, re, he didn't really remember it. He remembered me and he remembered the class and he's like, he's like, I'm glad I did that. And I'm glad you stuck with it. But it meant a lot that I reached out to him after that many years just to say thank you. So that's incredible, man. What an, that's an incredible story. Yeah. So if I, yeah, if I track him down, I will let you know, I'm going to, that's going to be one of Done. my, one of my missions now. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, see, I love it. I love it. I will be. Uh, I would actually have to catch up and see the man that is face to face. There would be no way I wouldn't see him face to face. There we go. That's awesome. Nice. So then, what, what was next? You you did your you know sample lessons with these different schools, and you got to train with Tom. What what kind of came next in your martial arts journey? I ended up going over. My mother and I ended up moving. Anytime I traveled, say to say anywhere at all, uh, I would always try to find two things, either a gymnastic facility or a martial art facility to kind of just at least at absolute minimum. What I didn't know, the phrase I coined now is get a virtual reality workout. I would simply walk in and sit down and watch every single thing they're doing and take notes. Nice. As I continued with, you know, after my days were over with Tom, specifically, I went to a place called Copley Library. Remember, I'm watching movies and I'm really young, so I'm really dumb. And <laughs> and I didn't know any better. And I just did what, you know, I did what I saw. And so I couldn't keep the books from the library of, for martial arts out long enough. So I started photocopying the pages. And like a true delusional child, I started asking my mom if she would help me to burn some of the edges to make them look a little more ancient, like they're scrolls. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like we put together a, a little book and she, she got me a little binder with some thread through it. And I regularly followed figure A, B, C, D. And you see the guy facing one way and then he's got another pose, another. And that's how I learned my katas. And and between that book, the scrolls and uh, going to the movie theater, plus watching Kung Fu Theater on L Channel 56, uh, my martial art career was up and running. I finally we ended up moving at some point from. Uh, the Marshfield area, which is, again, just on the outskirts of Boston to Boston. And I had another opportunity again to do like a, a class that was paid for, but in, again, only for about a month. Mm -hmm. Wallum, Wallum Praying Mantis with Sensei Yao Li. Okay. Uh, he was across the street from back then the Boston Garden. Oh, wow. And that was a Praying Mantis style, you know, basically Kung Fu Panda. And so... Mm -hmm. <laughs> I started to, you know, try to absorb as much as I could and try to, as as Bruce Lee would say, empty your cup so that it can be filled, devoid to gain totality. I tried to forget everything I have learned and kind of become a bit of a treasure trove of information from all these different schools and to to kind of better absorb the skill I'm being taught, even though it's different than than the execution of other other styles. And so <laughs> when I would move, <laughs> Yao Li would always call me Hollywood. <laughs> and I never, I, I never understood why he said that. And he kept calling me Hollywood, and and so I wasn't sure if to be insulted or what, you know, like like what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong? Like why is this man calling me Hollywood? And so Boston has something called First Night every December thirty first, bringing in the new year. You would have different events, galleries, stores, rest, uh, restaurants. Everybody opens their doors, and it's kind of like one gigantic festival, and people can walk through. And we got to do a demonstration. And basically, I moved like Kung Fu Theater while everyone else was doing martial arts. Because I had studied so much from, from Hollywood Kung Fu, I was doing more Hollywood flash than I was doing anything else. Nice. And I didn't realize that. <laughs> And so uh, I got to do my first demonstration with uh, Master Yao Li and, and the rest of the students. And uh, yeah, I've got some pictures of that that I've been able to capture from a friend who who was one of the performers there. And, and that is uh, combined with uh, Tom Jordan. That has been something that's really precious to me because it truly was my absolute first performance ever. And the idea that I actually have that 
it's three photographs. Uh, the the idea I have these three images uh, and that I was able to share that with my kid really meant a lot to me. So Marty, thank you, Marty Finn. That's so uh, awesome. She, yeah. It's cool, man. It's really cool. The journey and, and the people involved in your village and, and how you actually get where you're going, it's everything, actually. And so that foundation, as sketchy as it sounds and as, <laughs> you know, wishy-washy and put to, and pasted together, that foundation became, you know, my career. Mm-hmm. I mean, my literally my career, it's a hard thing to believe. And, and that's part of the process that I speak about a lot of times. I'm a public speaker as well, and I try to talk and inspire people to kind of recognize there there's some certain attributes that have to happen in your life and and one of those is you have to respect and accept that your experiences have value and if you believe a key word if you believe that it has that value you're able to achieve things that kind of seem unachievable but you know the hard part is you are what you believe if you believe you cannot do something then no matter how many facts i put in your face you win you don't want to win. You want me to win. You want me to win. You want me, the, the person who believes so much in you and sees all your your, your talent and your your skills and 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 your passion. You want you want me to be the winner because if you can believe and accept what I'm seeing and what I'm saying, you become unstoppable. And I genuinely did believe, and I didn't realize, but my availability and that belief was the key that opens up impossibilities. And. Uh, it's been a beautiful career, man. It's been a beautiful career. That is awesome. Wow. So how did Hollywood come about? Is that something you definitely, is that something you were seeking out being such a fan or did it kind of, was it happen by mistake or how did that happen? I think you're, you're, I love that you just said, or did it happen by mistake? And in, <laughs> in my opinion, in many ways, I, I almost would say it happened by mistake. Okay. Um, I was led to that direction because coming from Boston, there was nothing in Boston. There was no exposure to the industry, entertainment industry. Once upon a time, a TV show called Spencer for Hire was shooting in Boston. Oh, that show. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Patrick Urich and then the black guy character Hawk. Yeah. Uh, from Star Trek. I just lost his name. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, the whole point is... Halloween has always been my favorite time of year, period. It was it was what I lived for. And dressing up in a costume, all the martial art films in the day. We had the Pi Alley movie theater in Boston, where back then it was the American Ninja, Michael Dudikoff, yes. Steve James, you know? And you're studying, the you're watching these films, and you're like, man, look at Steve James. He is shredded. Yep. And, you know, Michael Dudikoff is so quiet and understated and that he's like, comes out and whoops butt. And let's not forget, Show Kasuji. Yes. You know, and, and ninja magic. And, and watching him going through these things and, you know, uh, the Kobudaga ninja magic. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck is that? What is that? I didn't learn that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, back to Copley Library, where I've now got to figure out what the heck, you know, ninja magic is in the Kobudaga. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I end up finding a book uh, that really set my career off yet again. And that book was, wait, 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 wait. That book was, oh man, it's usually by my bedside and I moved. This is what happens when you clean your room, man. <laughs> Oh, come on. This is too bad. This is too bad. All right. The short version is there's a book. It's a blue book. It's got a black cat looking over its left shoulder. It's got yellow eyes. Hear that? Black cat, yellow eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book was called The Art of Invisibility by, of all people, ninja, The Art of Ninjutsu. And I was like, oh, what is that? What is that? 
And so I learned about this from a comic book with Power Man and Iron Fist. And Luke Cage, Power Man, was peeking around a brick wall watching some guys. And Daniel Rand, Iron Fist, puts his hands together like he's praying. And then when Luke looks back, he goes, I hate when he does that. That ninjutsu (laughs) stuff. And that was when my first exposure to the word ninjutsu came from. And so I went to look that up and I got this book and started training. And so that book was showing all these different skills and hand and feet claws and all the things I saw in in the movie with uh, Michael Dudikoff. So you start combining all this, these, these, again, you know, master how Yao Li was spot on with his whole Hollywood. because (laughs) Everything I, everything I've studied was books. It was TV. It was movies. It was uh, you know, uh, just watching, in a lot of ways, watching nature as well. We always had cats, and I would watch their movement and how silent they were when they traveled. And uh, this book spoke a lot about that. That book ultimately became, and that character on the cover became what I created for WMAC Masters, wow. uh, which is why Panther's eyes were yellow. It was to mimic that book. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, man, it, it's, I actually ended up also studying some other books. One of the other books was uh, a heavy set gentleman who had slightly long shoulder length hair, almost uh, a little higher than shoulder. And he would teach, you know, he's just showing forms and weapons. And he had a whole series of books just to fast forward real fast and jump mm-hmm. all over the place here. 99,000 years later, I was asked to teach gymnastics to a young boy who was about eight years old at the time. He was really up and coming martial artist. And, but you know, he's eight years old. I mean, like he's working on his confidence and he's working on his acrobatics along with his martial arts and combining the two together. And that boy's father turned out to be, and I didn't know this until I was done training this kid. Mm -hmm. His father turned out to be the person who was in the books that I was taking the pages and burning the edges and studying. No way. And I was like, what's the freaking chance? Like, this is so beyond crazy. And so Master Douglas Wong and Carrie Ogawa Wong, they are like, you know, for me, they're royalty. The opportunity to work with their son, I don't even know if I, I, I'm not even sure I would have handled that so well had I known. I probably would have fangirled all day long. (laughs) You know, it was such an amazing, it just moved me so much, man, to to see the circle. When you're passionate and you're true to your passion, you draw all of these things to you. And that's what happened just by being true to what you want. You don't have to have the money. You don't have to have the, the airplane ticket. You don't have to know anything at all about what you're doing. You don't have to have a school. You, you may not be able to afford the martial art class, but I'm telling you, if your heart is, is in the right place and you keep just staying open and available to it, it will come. Oh my God. I sound like a field of dreams. If you build it, <laughs> he will come, you know? Yeah. But that's what it's about, man. Like you've got to be true. Just you, you become a conduit and you draw it. How many of you, how many of your listeners have, have, have bought a car or seen a car uh, or, or been in an accident with a car or whatever? I'm a car guy. So clearly mm-hmm. I keep bringing up cars. But the point <laughs> is you get your first car. It's whatever it is, used, new or otherwise. It's a certain color, year, make, model, everything. You start seeing that car everywhere. That car was everywhere all the, all the yep. time. But you're now open to it. You're available to it. And as a result, you're spotting it. You're looking for it consciously, unconsciously. You see it in movies, commercials. You see it driving by. You see it in magazines. It's everywhere. And that's how this happens. And so Hollywood happened that way for me as a result. Wow. (laughs) 
So what exactly led to your first project then in Hollywood? Wow. Okay. So I'm still in high school at this point with all this stuff. We're oh, talking really? about now. Wow. Still. I'm, still, I'm, okay. still, I'm nowhere near. I'm like, I'm still in high school. Okay. Uh, you know, Doug, Douglas Wong is in California. Yep. So I jumped way ahead, but, but leaving that story out, I'm still in Boston, Massachusetts. Wow. And, and so I see, I I'm collecting a magazine called inside Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And on the cover of Inside Kung Fu was a guy named Eric E-R-I-C Lee. Yep. And I was like, man, maybe I, maybe I should change my Hollywood name. On I know actors do that. I'm like, mom, maybe I should be Eric Lee. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, flash forward, Eric Lee and I are uh, extremely good friends. And I tell him the story all the time. I'm like, you don't even know. You on the cover, you were in my bedroom, man. Like I, I'm looking at a magazine with you on the cover, watching him doing his forms and stuff in the art articles, mm-hmm. not knowing the owner of Inside Kung Fu is Douglas Wong's brother. Wow. Okay. Every, the circles get just tighter and tighter and tighter, but I'm going to let that go and get back. So, all right, no ADD here. So here we go. <laughs> so the overall idea is now, I am. I'm no longer at Master Yaoli's school anymore. Or I'm not doing any first night classes any further because you know my my time's up. I can't afford anything. Yep. And Halloween is here. I'm dressing up as a ninja. I'm running around the streets of Boston. <laughs> Nice. Halloween is like an excuse to to live my dream and be the ninja superhero, the Bruce Leroy I've always dreamed of. And so, you know, that's what I was doing and just having interactions with people and kind of being almost improvisational about the excitement of you have no idea what's going to happen and let's just see what happens. And so people would strike a pose and you strike in the pose and you guys go through a fake fight scene and then you run off and after you high five it was in a lot of ways i'm the friendly neighborhood spider-man you know i'm just running around and just a mess a menace to society (laughs) and so one of the evenings dressed as a ninja i see hawk and uh oh my god say his name spencer fire oh robert robert urich robert urich robert urich yes 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 I see Robert Urich and I jump. They're they're walking. They're doing a scene and they're walking towards the, the, the one of the main boulevards. It's called Neyland Street. And as they're walking up the side street headed towards Neyland, I jump from an alley. I had climbed up the walls with my feet in my hands, you know, like a shooting star. And I'm waiting for them to go walk by. And I jump in the scene and land. And they go, what? you see them both like step back, startled. The cameraman startled. I look left. I look right. And then I just take off. <laughs> and so I wish to this day, my God, if anyone's listening, if you could find that footage, that would wow. that would be it, man. That That's would be awesome. it. That was my I was like, I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in this movie. That's your debut. In this. <laughs> this is it. This is it, man. And so. Uh, clearly I have issues, folks. I admit it. I have issues, but it was so exciting, so much fun. And that was kind of when I realized this is a blast. And there are things, people are being paid to be in front of camera and pretend to be this type of, of thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so now I I started thinking, maybe I need to go to New York. New, New York's right there. I'm a little kid. I'm not trying to go to anywhere else. It's right there. Well, New York turned out to be, you know, Broadway for me, New York turned out to be Broadway and New York turned out to be, um, soap operas and that's not really what you know where i I had no real connection with that i i couldn't do it i was in boston and i tried the boston youth theater and i've tried some other things and and i realized theater was not my thing okay uh it just was not as satisfying 
Uh, yeah. And at the end of the day, the problem with theater with me was nothing I studied was theater. Everything I studied was film and TV. So I didn't understand that that was the reason that theater was not as fulfilling. Right. And so I had an opportunity to go visit with a cousin who was living in California. Okay. Uh, again, the same cousin who exposed me to martial arts in the first place, Kendall. Mm -hmm. And I was able to stay with him back in 1987. And I was originally going for the weekend, March 14th. Won't ever forget that day. And I landed and I saw so much sunshine and I saw mountains for the first time and, and palm trees for the first time. And he stopped on the way back to his house and uh, gave us my cousin who came out as well and gave us a burrito for the first time with a strawberry shake made with real ice cream. And I, in all honesty, if I, I you know, w without exaggerating even a little bit between the burrito, the real ice cream and the palm trees, I was done. <laughs> like I was done. I was hooked with California right in that moment. Nice. So I ended up getting a job after living with him for probably about two weeks. Okay. I got a job in, at, uh, as a security guard at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Wow. Uh, I was walking, walking around in the parking lot. I was, I was parking lot duty guy. Uh, if I ever die of emphysema, it's because I was in the parking lot sucking all those carbon monoxide fumes. <laughs> but, uh, wow. But I met every Hollywood star in that parking lot. Really? And my first person I met was uh, the Knight Rider, David Hasselhoff. <sighs> Off. And awesome. then I started meeting, a, you know, my childhood dream girl was Janet Jackson. I ended up meeting Janet Jackson oh. about 10 times in that parking lot. Wow. I met just some of the biggest music stars. I, I, I had just the most amazing experience. And that's where I now realized, wow, this I'm done. This I'm home. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm home. So I, I continued to, you know, pay the bills, do whatever I had to do. Still no martial arts at this point. One of the first places I did look for was a, a workout facility. I found L.A. Valley College. L.A. Valley College had an open gymnastics workout on Tuesdays. $2. $2 from 7 to 10 o'clock. Wow. And I, I, I could afford that. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I went down there. And whenever I worked out, most of the time, people would go, Oh, hey, can you help me with this? And can you help me with that? And I'd end up teaching. And so I didn't have a problem with that. I love sharing, uh, especially coming from not being able to afford classes. I loved giving back. And uh, then I started giving back to a lot. Like a lot of people started asking because they were seeing uh, the people I was helping getting better and better and better. And then, can you help me? And can you, hey, what about me? And before long, now suddenly, you know, to, you're waiting to do a tumble pass. And okay, you tumble real quick. And then you run back in the middle. And then you spot somebody else. And then you spot somebody else. And now you're like teaching a class, but you're teaching it for free. But yet you've got six students. <laughs> and so uh, what I didn't know is that a lot of those students were stunt people, actors, martial artists, cheerleaders, dancers. Uh, so I was already training the industry in the industry. And one day, a young lady who was a, a bronze medalist asked me if I would tell her, run up the wall and do a backflip. And she had seen me do that. And as an Olympic gymnast, she wasn't able to figure out how to do it because they use spring floors and all that stuff. Uh, it was for a commercial, got her all ready. And she asked, hey, would you be willing to come down and just spot me right before I do it? And I said, sure. And then she said, hey, would you, after she was done, she said to the casting people, hey, would you be willing to let my, my coach here audition? 
And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 not so fast because this audition was looking for 10 Olympic gymnasts and I'm not an Olympic gymnast. <laughs> and so walking in, I just walked through things I've never been able to do, you know, a standing full twisting backflip and land on their tippy toes, uh, doing just the craziest stuff. So I ended up saying, hey, uh, I'm not going to look like any of these people. And they're all sitting there watching me. I'll just do what I do. I'll show you what I do. That's what I've been doing at the gym. And I tried to I tried to treat it like an open workout. I did some kata and I did some acrobatics at a time where people didn't put katas and acrobatics together at, at most of their auditions. And and I got the job. <laughs> wow. And that was really weird. And so that set a whole new precedent. So I ended up getting signed with an agency. I got an agent. I got uh, residuals. I got a, a session fee. And I I was now being sent out. And that was my first opening to Hollywood. That's awesome. Wow. What a story. That's so cool. Right? <laughs> like you said, that literally, I mean, it does literally sound like it happened by accident. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, literally, man. That is so cool. Now, how long before you started doing that, got the agent before you got, it was it was Shoot Fighter your first project? Hey, yes, it was. Nice. Yes, it was. I had a roommate at the time. Uh, my roommate, wow, Shoot Fighter, chief. Yeah, Michael Bernardo. Yeah, right? I mean, yep. everybody's there. If you look, Chris Casamassa, everybody's yep. there. Uh, Hakeem the Machine. Yes. So we and Shoot Fighter, wow. So my first, one of my first roommates, uh, Carlton and Thunderwolf, Carlton Holder, the screenwriter, gymnast. Carlton actually was a stunt double for uh, Carlton doubled. I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, so did you see Coming to America? Oh, yeah. Carlton had doubled also, if I remember correctly, Richard Pryor in a movie where he jumped off and flipped from a tractor of some sort and landed on the ground. And then Carlton doubled for Eddie Murphy in Arsenio Hall. Wow. So he was uh, he was Eddie Murphy's double, if I'm getting this correct. And, uh, another buddy of ours, Lindell was, uh, was Arsenio Hall's double and they did the fight scene in coming to America in the very beginning wow. of the movie. Okay. So I already thought I, the way you're saying, wow, that's how I felt yeah. <laughs> looking at their work going, Oh wow. Like you did it, man. You made it, you know? And, uh, uh, to just flash back way, way back, back at Yao Li's school when I was there, one of the other things I totally forgot about was a gentleman named Eric uh, Neff. Eric Neff had an opportunity, a student at Yao Li's during the time I was there, to do a low-budget movie. And I was like, no way, he's going off to do a movie. I totally forgot about this. And what's what's the scene? He said, you know, I'm going to be inside of a ring and I'm supposed to be, I'm like one of the fighters and I'm going to be doing our style, our monkey style. And there was a gentleman at the time named Javon Holmes, who was like the sickest martial artist. He was almost like a little pit bull, just so muscular, so strong and powerful, agile. He put, he would put it all together and he, and he would do just amazing work with the staff and, 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 and his monkey style interpretation. And so Eric did his version, in my opinion, of Javon and killed it. Well, he would send pictures and stuff, and I got to see some of the photographs. And what we all ended up seeing in the movie theater was a movie called Bloodsport. Nice. And Eric yeah. is the monkey style guy from Yowley School in Boston, Massachusetts, who did that. And so that was also another factor in me getting to Hollywood. All right. So. so cool. Shoot fighter, shoot yes. fighter. So uh, my, my now my, one of my roommates, Thunderwolf, is going to an audition, and he says, "Why don't you come down with me?" It's always that. Why don't you come down, mm -hmm. <laughs> folks? Be available. When someone says, "Why don't you do?" Shut up and do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
that's the moral of the story. Be be open, be available, and give it a shot, and don't say no. So I said, sure. And I go down there, and I had an opportunity to audition for their casting for this movie, Shoot Fighter, and I got the job. And by January 2nd of 19, January 3rd of 1992, I'm calling my mom from a payphone because on the other side of the wall is Bolo from Enter the Dragon. Nice. And I'm like, Mom, Mom. I, I waited till I was on set in the middle of shooting. And I'm like, Mom, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here with Bolo. I, I, at lunchtime, I got to try to teach Bolo how to drive because he never knew how to drive. He had an interpreter named China. And she, she did all the driving and the interpretation for him. He didn't drive at all. And so, you know, and when I see photos of Bolo and how he looks today, I'm always like, wow, look how far, look how far we've all come in our journeys and uh-huh. how our circles intertwine with other people that you grew up watching. And like, it seems so unimaginable. It seems so impossible. It seems so you're so far away and, 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 and disconnected. How could someone like me, you know, this this feeling of having no value and worth, mm-hmm. all these things affect you and make you think that it's truly never going to happen. And once you can get past that mindset, once you can stay ultimately delusional, you know, you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a, new, a different result. Yeah. That definition in itself is ridiculous. Right. If you think about it, a bodybuilder, no pain, no gain. What do we do? We, we break the body down. We tear our muscle so that it literally tears a, a process called mitosis occurs. Our body heals that first layer and adds another reinforcement layer. And then we do it again and we do it again. And you've got to give it time to rest. But as you do it again, the muscle grows. And to expect a different result, you can absolutely guarantee you're going to get a different result. The body is experiencing something. That same thing happens with your mind. It happens with your dreams. I tell people all the time, you have to dream like you're insane. You literally have to dream like you're insane. Because at the end of the day, for those people who work out all day and then stand in the mirror and go, I didn't get results and walk away. Well, they should walk away yeah. because that's not how the process works. And so with your art, whatever your art may be, martial or what, the, the martial way or otherwise, the idea is to stay committed to it, to stay consistent with it and to stay open and available to the idea of being insane about the craft or the dream that you're going after. So all that to be said, I booked a job. I'm now on the set of a shoot fighter. And some of the people that are there, as we talked about earlier, are Chris Casamasa, who's on there. Michael Bernardo, who's on there. Hakeem the Machine Austin is on there. John Barrett, American Karate. He's on there. And so there's so many people. Uh, my first stunt coordinator I ever worked for, a guy named Charlie Skeen, is on there. Charlie Skeen worked with Chuck Norris. The auditions were held at Chuck Norris's Tang Sudo. There you go. Tang Sudo uh, Studio, where later I would end up teaching Pop's daughter, of all people, Michelle Krasno, or as she was nicknamed on WMAC Masters, Mouse. The Mouse, yep. Uh Uh-huh. And so just all those people, that whole pool of martial artists, and ultimately I ended up working with in other areas and other arenas. And so that's kind of what launched uh, Shoot Fighter Man. Uh, William Zapka was in that, and Martin Cove, both from Karate Kid were in that show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is cool. I remember hearing about that. I was at the Diamond Nationals and Michael Bernardo was promoting it. So I remember we we watched it right when it came out. Me and a bunch of friends got together. Wow. Picture this. My first fight scene with Hakeem on there, 
I basically choreographed the move that Samo did that I saw in Enter the Dragon, and I got to see that on the big screen. That's awesome. And I'll tell you, man, I literally almost wet myself. <laughs> it was like, it was an out-of-body experience. Oh, yeah. You know, like you're the, the the little kid in you is watching. It's not the the grown or somewhat grown man at the time. It's the little kid like I'm in the movie theater seeing me on screen doing what I always what my heroes did. Yep. That's the most surreal experience. It's an it's I'm like Doctor Strange leaving my body. <laughs> <laughs> that is a full on astro travel. And you, you talk about Samo, you got to do quite a few episodes of Martial Law, which was one of my favorite shows. That'd be pretty right. cool working with Samo. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, cool is an understatement because <laughs> he brought all of China with him. So wow. every single people that all the people that I watched and grew up watching from Five Deadly Venoms, if you re- remember oh, that yeah. um, old movie, like there, he had everybody, everybody from Jackie to Jet Li's doubles and stunt doubles. And so you're working with they're directing, they're fight choreographing, they're stunt coordinating, they're doing wire riggings like I don't, like China came to, to America and. Samo, my God, my God, there is no other human being I have met in my entire career as humble as, uh, how do I explain what he did? He is mythological. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to describe Samo Hung. Samo is so fast. Samo is so sickly talented. Samo is frighteningly accurate and his foot has absolutely no arch. <laughs> when he throws a kick and it lands and it's touch, it's, let me rephrase it. It's not that it's landing. It's that he's placing it so flawlessly. He can stop his foot right a half, a, less than half an inch away from your sternum. Wow. And you didn't, you never saw it coming. I knew the choreography, but I can't see. I, I did not have time to do a, a true reaction because he's just that freaking good. The flow that he's doing, the cadence that he's moving, you know, f- fight scenes tend to be, they're not dance. It's not five, six, seven, eight, and one, and two, and three. We're not, do- we're not moving like that. Mm-hmm. And so he's almost more like a tap dancer when you watch someone doing an improvisational beat. That beat is like a drummer. It's based on their own interpretation. It's the way they're expressing it. And your job is to dance and flow with them, recognizing that they're leading, you're following. And in the middle of me not understanding that i started to lead into something i was supposed to be following it was one of those moments where you realize he could have killed me <laughs> wow that is so Samo cool. is insanely talented man insanely oh, yeah. talented yeah he'd be one i'd love to i'd love to get on the show <laughs> obviously i got my, my, oh. my list of dream guests that i'll probably never get but he'd be he would definitely be on that list he'd be fun to just talk to i don't know why but in my experience with him I believe that if you were to talk to his people, he would be open to it because he is just that humble. He's he's like the sweetest human. He's like the grandpa. Uh, he's like Michael Landis mm-hmm. uh, on one of those shows. Like he's just such a warm, loving human being, man. I might have to try that. He might, might maybe you motivated me to give it a shot. There you go. Be, there you go. Kinda, I do need someone for my 150th episode coming up. He'd be kind of he'd be a fun one to get. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I'm just just looking through your IMDb and just I mean, you've, God, you've worked with some amazing, amazing people, and within martial arts yeah. and without them. I mean, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the show. I mean, yeah. the early 2000s show Invasion. I love that show. One season. Dude, only, you're the only person who ever brings that up. I love that show. <laughs> I, I, show. I, I was I was almost disappointed when I was working on it because I'm like, I don't want to know. It really I'm a sci-fi geek all uh-huh. day long. And so 
to be on there was like, oh, this is no longer a childhood dream. This is like a fantasy of, of aliens, man. Like I, yeah. I lived in that world, you know? I mean, oh, it's, it was sick. And it was created it was by sick. Sean Cassidy. How cool is that? <laughs> How crazy, right? Right. That's like, I was literally just watching a, a video of one of his concerts like two days ago on YouTube. <laughs> so. <laughs> so awesome man no i just this whoever is, thought i'd work with sean castle i know that's and you did castle you did uh scorpion another yeah. great one i loved scorpion uh just yeah it, and like, obviously we mentioned ant-man i mean just you, such an amazing career and i do have to mention because you were on, on a, an amazing movie love this movie with a former guest of the show the sensei i got to interview diana last no year. way yeah oh. wow. such a wow. great movie wow. Wow. such a good good ex- I, I bet that had to been a cool experience on that project too Beyond, man, beyond. One of my major childhood influences outside of my cousin Kendall was my cousin Rudy. Mm-hmm. Uh, changed his name to Chris Sheridan. And he was just super talented at everything he did. One of the things that he said, see, it's all coming back, man. One of the things that he said one time is he uh, he went to California mm-hmm. and he called while I was in Marshfield. And uh, I remember talking to him and he was on a payphone and he said at some point in our conversation, wait, 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 Eric, hold on. And it gets quiet and I hear people walking by and I hear stuff going on. And he goes, I'm sorry, I just had to say hi to somebody. John Travolta just walked by. <laughs> and I remember, I remember in that moment, what world are you living in? That John Travolta from Staying Alive, John Travolta from Greece just walked by, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that was also part of the massive motivation to coming to California as well. It laid the seed that one moment specifically. Well, that's funny. One of my f- guests of my first year, uh, Rick Avery, I'm sure you probably heard of him. It's not of a, course. Yeah, he, R- he, Rick Avery was the other person in the helicopter for Ant-Man. Yeah. Night. Yeah. And he was stunt double for John Travolta for many years. <laughs> so, God, And so let me just tell you right now. <laughs> I didn't know that. You just opened up another another road right nice. there. Yeah, he told the story. He told the story on the show. So talk about it. another one. Just an amazing career. I mean, wow. So that's just, oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Man. Un- unbelievable. And just to tell you, the Sensei was one of my all-time favorite films ever. Uh, the story that Diana wrote yes. and paying uh, paying tribute and respects to Matthew Shepard's story. Mm-hmm. Matthew Shepard, for the, for your listeners who, who don't know, Matthew Shepard was kind of a such a painful story. Yes, Matthew is a young gay man who was uh, sitting at a bar and went to leave, and some guys followed him and beat him up and tied him to the offense of some sort, and he ended up passing away from his injuries. Yeah, and Diana was clearly moved by this this story and kind of created a, a bit of a Karate Kid story, mm-hmm. but also created a story under that, which was the movement of the AIDS epidemic at the time as well in the eighties yep. and combined those two, those three elements and told, you know, the sensei story in there and uh, an amazing film. And so, so much heart, yes. so much heart, so much soul. Yeah. Uh, and, and so brave for Diana as a female director, mm-hmm. her performance was insane. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, and then the way the whole story was told, the way it was edited, this, the music, the the emotional arc that you you experience in watching this little this movie, you know what what, what is it, what is that the little train that could you yeah, know this is the, the yep. sensei yep. is one of those those stories, man. Yeah. The sensei is truly beautiful. Yeah, and I, I I've recommended it so many times on my show, and and hopefully hopefully a lot of my listeners have gone and found it because I I, I I know I put links for it out there and stuff, and I, I own the DVD yeah, myself, man. so it's it's definitely worth oh, watching. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, the, uh, Ron Balicki and, and the stories that they all put together and produced these, these Diane and Ron have gave so many people great opportunities like myself to, 
to show our work and to tell that to be a part of that story it was yeah. really a, a a huge thing and then one of the coolest things that i didn't necessarily think was so cool at first <laughs> is we shot the movie in sterling colorado mm-hmm. and i've heard stories of colorado and how beautiful it is and was really excited to get there and i remember when i when we were coming through on location there was a sign and we're all in the same vehicle and we're, we're coming downtown and there's a sign, there's a sign that says, we're sorry. And I'm, we have someone on the bus who's explaining things to us about, you know, the areas and famous spots on, and in the Sterling, Colorado area, it's a very small town. Mm-hmm. And I said, what is that? He goes, well, this is the home of the KKK. <laughs> and I look at Diane and Ron and I'm like, you just invited a black man to come to the home of the KKK. What's wow. wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> And so, you know, it was an ideal, ideal, like who would have done that? Nobody would have done that. But to tell that story of prejudice, to tell that story of Mm -hmm. pain and suffering, to tell that story of the AIDS epidemic, to tell that story of diversity and inclusion and and to tell that story of like, there could not have been a better location. That was the, that was the perfect location. And so the people there were so kind. They were so sweet. The city was great. The landscape was, I mean, dude, I'm telling you, I've worked on some big films. I've worked on Avatar. I've worked on some really large, large, large blockbusting films. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you the sensei is right up there with that my experiences that is cool. uh, most films cool yeah and one more thing i just want to mention about the hollywood curse and I, you you mentioned it when i first reached out to you and, and i just watched this movie last week a brand new movie on Net, netflix called family switch with jennifer garner such a good movie you did stunts on that one such a fun movie <laughs> i was laughing nonstop. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, that's, first of all, Jennifer, love her, love the, love my alias family. Yep. Uh, alias was an amazing, amazing, amazing opportunity. Love that I, show. I, I am so grateful. Own the whole JJ series Abrams. on DVD, so. Oh, do you really? Oh, oh yeah. Sweet, oh, man. yeah. I got the chance on this show to be an actor. I got a chance on this show to be a really freaking intense SD6 agent, and I took... I took to it like a fish in water. And one of the days JJ came to me, JJ Abrams, the director at the time and creator of the show to say, my wife told me if I don't get you in on, if I don't make you a lead character on this show, I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nice. And so I'll never forget that along with, I had an opportunity to help choreograph our fight scene, uh, Jennifer and I. And in that moment, JJ had only directed Felicity, a TV series, a drama. Mm-hmm. And I had been studying how to shoot. And I told JJ in this scene, here's what I would do. If you move the camera from this way to this way and this way, to this, and then do a reverse angle and you go this way to this way. And then as it gets closer and closer, each time as you cut back and forth, it'll feel like you're watching me doing my action, Jennifer doing hers, me doing mine, hers, mine, hers, bam. And it's going to have such impact. It's going to feel so great. And that's exactly what ended up on camera. And I, I always was like, wow, actually, I, I got to like give my artistic input and it was listened to. And a few years later, not many, <laughs> like literally a couple of years later, actually, I'm working on Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise and I get called in to do some driving and I arrive on set not having done any homework of looking up on IMDb to see like, you know, what's going on, who's involved. And I hear Eric, Eric Betts. And I turn around and I go, JJ. And he, and I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing here? And he goes, he goes, 
he asked me, what am I doing here? And I said, uh, I'm doing some driving. I go, what are you doing here? And he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm directing. And I go, directing what? <laughs> so much action. Like, what do you mean you're directing? And so, and it hadn't been long enough for anybody. I mean, I, he could have been Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. I mean, you, you, it's mm-hmm. not enough time for you to be directing. What do you mean you're directing? And so it showed, you know, his learning curve and how, again, having a team around you and, and getting the right team around you. And and your belief in self, you know, and he's he was operating on a, a completely different level. He taught me so many things. And and yeah, man, it's the alias family go, coming fast forward to now family switch. I show up on set. I see Jennifer, who looks like she hasn't aged a minute. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, Jennifer, like she has she doesn't look like she gained a pound. Yeah. And I'm pretty certain she's got like three kids. Yeah. And so I'm looking at her. And I'm like. And she's like, Alec. And so we all run up and we hug and this and that. And so the scene she was in, the only reason I was there in that scene as a as a, a in a stunt capacity was kind of the spot. She was supposed to be running across chairs and doing some stuff. And a lot of these the reason I was there was actually edited out. So what ends up being there is simply me walking down some stairs as a as a you know a, a, a fan of the these was it soccer team that they were playing and okay. uh, yep. and to make sure she doesn't trip and fall down the on stairs <laughs> and so that's what ended up on screen but it's so it was so great to see that moment because jennifer and i man if you ever people if you watch alias truth be told jennifer hates as a first-time actress coming out and having an opportunity to be the lead of her own show that girl worked her behind off we got the trainer guy named dave morzo was the fight choreographer who brought myself and some other guys in to help train Jennifer at her place she was staying at back in the day. And Jennifer could have given Tom Cruise, Charlize Theron, and everybody else a run for their money from day one, long before you ever saw her playing, you know, uh, opposite Daredevil and Electra and, and all these other roles. Like Jennifer is just fierce, man. She's got a sick, fierce work ethic. And, and so I'm, I'm honored to have been able to share a screen with her. That is it's so cool. That's she's. I've been a fan I, I, ever since Alias. I, I got hooked on that show and want, never missed an episode and bought it. And I've been a fan of hers ever since. So I was that, that other one she just did on. I think it was on Apple TV. I can't even remember the name of it now. But like her, when her her husband disappears or something, and she's with oh, her, I, her I stepdaughter. Even seen that. Yeah, it was just. I think it was her. Maybe it was Apple I, TV. I could be completely wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm gonna edit that part out <laughs> so I don't sound like an idiot. I'll have, to, I'll have to double check, but. <laughs> I could have sworn. You know what? Yeah, no, it is her. It is her. It's called The Last Thing He Told Me. It was a short run series, seven episodes. Okay, I'm going to watch it today. I knew it was her. Okay, I just looked. Yeah, it's called The Last Thing He Told Me. It's actually really good. Yeah, she. it's like her her husband like disappears under weird circumstances and her and her stepdaughter kind of go on like this, you know, investigative journey to try to find out what happened and stuff. So it's, it's really, wow. really good. Wow. She, she's a great actress. So it's really good. She's so funny. She, back in the alias days, she was telling me because she found out I was, you know, the red and the green power ranger. And mm. she's like, oh, my God, Eric. She's like, my auditions have been, you know, coming up in my career. It, it, it was extremely difficult because everyone always thought I was a pink ranger. And I went, what? And she said, everyone thought I was Amy Joe. As soon as I walked through the door, casting, casting directors were like, oh, Amy Joe. And I had, to, I had, I spent, she, she thought a lot of times that some of the reasons she didn't get certain jobs is because they all thought she was the pink ranger. Wow. That's <laughs> so funny. I thought that was pretty crazy. You know, that is hilarious. Wow. 
I had yeah. never heard that before. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That is. It was cool, actually. It was pretty cool. I don't know if, I actually don't know if Amy Joe knows that. <laughs> it's funny you, you mentioned that again because I've been staring at him the whole time I've been talking to you. And I got to, I just took a picture. I'm going to send it to you when we're done. I have little figurines on my desk. I have like little transformers. And I literally have the red and green ranger. No way. Six inches from me right now. I just took a picture and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it to you. I swear to God. They've been no, there. They've been there for it, like a year. They're the only two Power Rangers Man. I have. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> right wow! That's so kind of like fitting that, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him, and then it finally clicked. I'm like, wait a second, Red and Green Ranger, <laughs> he's right there, right? Yeah, so. he's been there all along. <laughs> See, so it, it was like fate that I talked to you. It was kind of cool. Let, let, and, and Brian, let me tell you this, man. Let me, let, you know, look, look at some of the titles I've described. I was, uh, I did a full cast, body cast, face cast, everything for Snake Eyes. I was supposed to be uh, Ray Park's stunt double, and then. They decided they wanted Ray looked too big in the costume and mm-hmm. they, they got a smaller guy. But the inside of Snake Eyes mask, they cast a mold so that when you put it on your face, it's a perfect fit. And so inside the black inside the black man of Snake Eyes is a black man, Eric Benson's face. Nice. And so if somebody if somebody were ever to buy that costume and look in the inside, you yeah, you think are probably gonna have a hard time filling filling those lips. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. But the crazy thing is of all the type of projects, again, from G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes to, to, I don't know, Avatar and Pandora, mm-hmm. I'm known for Red and Green Ranger and Power Rangers. Like, <laughs> Power Rangers really did not put... Haim Saban was about getting a show out, and Haim Saban was about... Primarily, Haim was about money, man. Yeah. He was passionate about the story at one point, and I know, and I can tell he was, but that passion was long gone too. <laughs> By the time I got involved, it was long gone. So they would send me out to Make-A-Wish Foundations, for example, and the costumes torn up. The belt buckle looks horrible. The shoes had masking tape on it. And I'm like, I refuse to go in this costume this way because this is this child's last wish, period. This is their dream, man. Like, we've got to give it everything we've got. And then believe me when I tell you, like my first night performance back with Yao Li, I gave it everything I had and then some. So much that I got scared and thought, if I have a little, you know, uh, the masks were very small, the helmets were small. Mm -hmm. And so, and my head is not. (laughs) And so... (laughs) I kept thinking, what if I turn my head real fast and this helmet comes off and the kid like sees the hey, he he's black <laughs> he grabs his heart, you know, and, and and I I'm the reason that this kid dies now. So, you know, I just like the greatest experience of Power Rangers, period, was doing those foundations, do, doing make a wish foundations, doing doing, you know, uh, ch- children's diabetes and 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 um and just being a part of connecting to the fans and connecting to the world. And yes, being on camera was also fun and we mm-hmm. had a great time, but as people know, Power Rangers was a super exploitive type show. Yeah. And one of the biggest complaints that the production had with me is I did not match the Japanese footage and I did not match my actor as well because I was uh, bulky. I was muscular. Mm-hmm. And and when you put the suit, the, the suit on, it just made me, I look, you can tell when I'm wearing it versus Japanese footage or, <laughs> or the actor. Yeah. <laughs> to see a 45 foot statue at Comic-Con <laughs> bulk out like he's the Hulk 
I was like, I've got a memo somewhere in my house where I was told I need to cut weight, like Ray Park was told for Snake Eyes. Uh-huh. I was told, you know, I'm too big. There were a couple other issues that were apparently too big, and they were like, we got to tone that down. It's a kid show, <laughs> you know? Oh, and, and so and so when you see, like, the Macy's Day Parade, and it's 177 feet long, yeah, uh, the arm punching out, and that pose that it's in, I'm the only person in America who did that pose in that costume. And, cool. and I'm, so when I saw it, I was like, that's like a hundred percent me. That's my pose. <laughs> and that's like, they did, that's my body. I'm like, it's so ironic that someone who complained about something that you had a, a trait that you couldn't exactly do anything about. Yeah. Now it's truly, truly captured for all time. I can't even believe uh, they chose that one pose in that one time. So when you tell me you've got those two figurines on your table right now, I injured my index finger on my left hand as a putty and could not, for photo shoots, close my hand in the fist to do a fighting stance for life-size cutouts of the Red and the Green Ranger. And so I ended up coming up with, you know, all the martial art films. We all know there's a a slight open palm with a single finger pointing up. Mm -hmm. And I chose that position, not because I chose it, but because I couldn't, there was nothing else I could do. If you look at all the life-size cutouts, the life-size cutout of the Red Ranger and the Green Ranger are doing the same pose with that finger because I couldn't close it that day. And so a lot of the... A lot of the little figurines you're describing had that, the watches, all the ancillary rights, uh, shirts and T-shirts and comic books and everything have the finger. And that's the story behind the finger. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's funny. I'll have to take a little closer look at these ones here and see which ones they have. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So in all your years, you know, martial arts, publics, everything you're doing, you know, martial arts, a big part of that is philosophy. So in all your years, is there one philosophy you've learned that just rises to the top of your list? Mm, that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, you know, it's no is the first answer I would tell you. What has happened to me as a result of what I would describe as definitely the martial way. You know, martial arts tends to follow the practices of Buddhism along with Taoism. And there are quite a few Christian martial artists. And so when you put all these things together, combined with the old materials and books that I've looked at through my years and from the Douglas Wongs all the way back to even further, what and of course the Tao of Jeet Kune Do mm-hmm. by the great Bruce Lee. The number one thing that sticks in my head is empty your cup so that it can be filled, devoid to gain totality. That's so important. Yes. You know, when I went from school to school, when I went from practice to practice, I didn't bring my ego and argue like the little boy that Bruce Lee was working with and said, pick me, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. how did that feel? <laughs> you know, and uh, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. Don't stare at the finger or you'll miss all the heavenly glories. By you thinking you know the one thing that, you, that you've done and, and now you're bringing your ego and you're arguing it against other schools or other styles or other anything you're the one who suffers. And so by being open and available, you get to have all that heavenly glory and you get what you need, not what you want. So I ended up learning a philosophy and the philosophy was God protect me from what I want. So I'm available for what I need because you can't see what you need. It's diluted. Mm -hmm. I once a long time ago, with my son, you know, you know, like all moms do, they pour half a glass of apple juice and then they fill the rest with water because it's too much sugar. Yep. And the reason you know it's too much sugar is because you gave the kid a full glass and you watched them bounce off the wall. And, <laughs> yep. so, and so that's kind of what I do with my kid. I said, Jaden, I want you to watch this. 
and I poured some apple juice in a glass and I just kept filling this tall, tall, tall pitcher until we could no longer see that there was any apple juice in it. And I said, did you see me take the apple juice out? No, it's still there, but can you see it? We literally can't see it. Now taste this. And, and he went to taste it. Do you taste the apple juice? No, but you know it's there. And that's kind of how our needs are. You know it's there, but you can't necessarily see it. You can't necessarily feel it. It's faith. And what a what a great way to kind of show how faith works. You know it's there, but you have to trust. You have to believe. You have to accept. You have to be open and available and vulnerable. And if you're not these key words, it doesn't happen. The sooner as you believe, you can achieve. Wow. I love that answer. Really looking forward to your answer on this one. Now, this one, it doesn't have to be four. I've had people give as few as two and as many as eight. Who are some names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Whoa. (laughs) If you could see me right now, I have chills all over my body, man. I can't even believe that nobody has ever asked this question. Wow. I used to ask for just one name and nobody could give one. So I'm like, I got to come up with a different way to do this. So that's when I came up with this like a year ago. Good Lord. Okay. Well, the first person that came to mind immediately was Jet Li. Um, Jet Li for me, I I did a, a, I got to work with Jet Li on Rise to Honor. It was a commercial we were doing. And like Samo, I had an opportunity to meet somebody who was uh, definitely the nicest human being I had ever seen. He was the most humble person I've ever seen. He invaded my space in a way that I have never experienced before. I had no room to be able to, uh, there was no room for me to be able to act or react or like I was overwhelmed by everything he did. So Jet Li is definitely number one on my list. I really hate to say this, but I'm going to have to. My, uh, do I want to immortalize him right now on your show? Steven Seagal. Steven wow. Seagal. Okay. You're the, I know. You're Great the first distance. to mention him. Okay. I, I know. I know. I know. I know. I want to be clear. No, I, 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 this, this is humbling right now, and I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you why. Okay. Steven Seagal. I worked with Steven Seagal. We shot four films together, and Steven injured me. As I walked, I'm going to say, I want you to hear this story and understand what I'm saying. Okay. I showed up on set. I'm still in my clothes. I've got my stunt bag, and I'm told... Well, Mr. Seagal, you said you were looking for somebody by the stunt coordinator. He's introducing me and he says, Mr. Seagal, you said you were looking for somebody with fast hands, good reactions. Uh, this is Eric Betts. I've already heard all the stories of Steven. So I'm I'm super humble. I'm, I bow and I'm saying, hello, sir. It's very nice to meet you. And he's standing there really overweight and super tall. tall like I've never knew Steven Seagal was as tall as he is. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, I'm five foot nine and a half. On a good day with a high enough shoe, 10. <laughs> and Steven Seagal is about six, three, four. Wow. Something with, with shoes on. I mean, he wore like platform looking shoes. He looked like he was six, seven. Like, I felt like whatever we're doing together, this would be like me fighting a kid in elementary school. <laughs> but yeah, whatever, you know? And so he's got his hands folded sitting on top of his belly. And he goes, like the Godfather, he goes, he takes his index finger and his and his middle finger and he taps his nose to tell me to go ahead and uh you know he's telling me to make sure I go ahead and just throw a punch and I, I didn't understand that so I wipe my nose because I'm thinking he's telling me I got a booger on my nose or something <laughs> you know and he goes no 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 punch 
And I go, yes, sir. And I put my bag down. And I, if I'm going to punch, I'm not punching. I'm moving real slow because I know your story. I know the story of Steven Seagal and how he beats up and hurts people. So I move re- like it's like slow motion. And he looks over, never making contact with me, never making eye contact. And he looks over at the producers and the stunt coordinator and he says, I could do something like. And then he looks at me and he says, don't fall down. Yes, sir. Something like this. I. And he proceeds to do the signature Steven Seagal arm crank, except I'm standing straight up and down. My arm is cranked 90 degrees against itself. I hear, for those of you who aren't old enough to know, I hear Jiffy Pop in my shoulder. I don't look at my hand. I look at my shoulder because I'm hearing pop, pop, tear, tear. Snap, snap. Dang. And I look at the producers who've now stepped back like, oh, my God. And the stunt coordinator. And I gesture like, you know, cut. I'm done. Like, this is it. By the time I look back at Seagal, he's turned his back and he's already walking away because he heard all the same crap I heard. <laughs> and and his, his bodyguards walking back with him. I call my girl and I say, call our attorney. I'm about to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I go back to my trailer and I go in the back outside the trailer where no one can see me. And I start working my front ball kick as many times as I could. I actually ended up breaking unintentionally ended up breaking my big right toe that day because of what I was kicking was metal. And I just kept working on how hard I'm going to, I'm going to break this man's leg. And that was my intention. My intention was I was literally going to break this man's leg. Wow. And we get there. I'm playing a character. It's been, you know, sometimes life has a, a, a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And the title of the movie was called Today You Die. Mm-hmm. And that probably should have kind of given me some type of foreshadow of what was actually going to happen. And so I play a character by name Bartholomew. And they ended up going, you know, we're not going to have you do the fight scene now. We're going to just have you come out. You're going to do a little kata. Uh, and, and then he's going to, like Indiana Jones, pull out a gun and shoot you. <laughs> and as soon as that happened, I fell to the ground. And they immediately separated us and got me off set. And I have never been able to get on another Steven Seagal set ever since. <laughs> and so, but my point of Steven Seagal is like in Karate Kid, when you have Marty Cove's character, who's the evil sensei, mm-hmm. Steven Seagal taught me some really important things about what happens to you, a person who goes to the dark side. Steven Seagal is an angry child. He is a bully. He is, he's clinical. Steven Seagal is, he really does need somebody to help him. There's been plenty of stories of him with his Kelly LeBrock and how he's abused her and all sorts of stuff. And so Steven Seagal being choked out by, you know, I got to hear it from the man himself, Gene LaBelle, and the story and what Steven Seagal claims versus what actually Gene LaBelle told me that, that took place. And, you know, Steven is, Steven in his mind, he wants to be the type of person who, who everyone fears. He believes that, you know, don't believe the hype. He's going to create a hype for himself. He's going to try to create a legacy for himself. What I ended up walking away with from Steven that was really important, though, is be humble. Treat people decently. Don't hurt people. Make your experience with them when you work with them something that they want to remember. Let that be your legacy. What he created is something that was the complete antithesis of what Jet Li created. And so you cannot have one without the other. And so when I think of the most monumental people who have taught me things about who to be and who not to be, Jet Li would be the positive. Stephen would be the negative. Okay. That makes sense. Now, from here, this is where things get tricky. (laughs) (laughs) This is where it gets tricky. My next two. Wow. It's close. You know, 
Samo did come up in, in, in my mind as you asked that question, because I truly did. He defies the laws of physics in my world. I, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it without saying like, you know, uh, something derogatory. But the overall gist is a, a bumblebee, a bumblebee for all intents and purposes should not be able to fly. Right. Samo can fly. Yeah. When I tell you people Samo can fly, Samo can freaking fly. Mm -hmm. Samo, I'm a gymnast and a martial artist for 42 years. Samo can fly. I've seen some mega talented, for those of you old enough to know who Nadia Comaneci is and Bart Connor and Kurt Thomas. I've seen some amazing gymnasts. I've seen people who can do some crazy stuff. I've worked with some young uh, people who no one's ever met before who are overweight before. If you watch Shoot Fighter, I've worked with a guy, an Asian guy who's 300 pounds who could throw a standing backflip. But even he did not move the way Samo does. Samo moves more like somebody from Circus du Soleil. Samo moves, it's the difference between a dancer and Circus du Soleil. Circus du Soleil is, is their, their movement people are telling a story on a completely different level, almost equivalent to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. When you think of, oh my God, I just lost his name. The flight coordinator and choreographer for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is, holy crap, I can't believe I'm not saying his name. Like this guy, I absolutely love. I should oh, know it it's too. three words. It's three words and I can't even get myself out. As soon as I let it go, it'll come back. The point is, it's not about kicks and weapons. It's not about kicks and punches, forms and weapons. It's it's a way of life. And I'm telling you, every inch of Samuel Hung's body exudes that. I am mesmerized like Circus de Soleil by his performance. He's truly like a siren in Ulysses, mesmerizing in his sound, except in, in Samuel's case, in his interpretation of his movement. It's insane. It was beautiful, man. Wow. Uh, so that's Samuel. And last but not least, I still have to come back to Bruce. Okay. I have to. Bruce, you know, I'm going to tell you things that <laughs> I'm going to tell you things that I learned about Bruce that I don't think a lot of people to this day still know. Uh, a movie that scared the living crap out of me was a movie called Trilogy of Terror. Trilogy of Terror had the little wooden doll, it had a gold chain around its neck. Karen Black was this woman. You bump into the table, the chain comes off, the spirit of the doll's free. It's the original Chucky. Uh -huh. This wooden voodoo Zambini, you know, Shaka Zulu warrior chases her around the room, and it freaked me the heck out. One of the first people I ever trained for gymnastics was Karen Black's daughter, Celeste. And Karen Black was there. Uh, my mom told me back in the day when I was, when she let me watch this movie, regrettably, I wet the bed for two weeks. Wow. So I told Karen Black that story. And she uh, I happened to be talking to my mom on the phone at my job. And I said, Karen, will you come here, please? And Karen came over and she said, hi, mom. I'm sorry for making Eric wet the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, you know, Karen has passed on since. But my mom always remembers that story because awesome. who would have ever thought those circles would cross, yeah. you know? And so Bruce Lee fought like a, a demon. Mm -hmm. When you listen to the sounds he makes, he sounds like a demon and he sounds possessed and he sounded like that doll. And so I love the voiceovers of what Bruce Lee created when he when he made this character, this being, this this icon that he created. That's that sound. His his is uh, I believe this is my personal belief. I don't know if it's true. I'm not trying to create some weird rumor, but this is what I think. A, I know Bruce wore glasses. So I was like, hey, I wear glasses. Bruce wears glasses. Cool. You know, mm -hmm. uh, my first place I landed when I came across to, from Boston was San Francisco. I went to visit a friend. Hey, Bruce was in San Francisco. Nice. I'm like walking the same path. This is crazy. I believe Bruce Lee had allergies. 
This is my personal belief. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start. You're the first to hear this, Brian. This is it. This is an okay. Eric Betts thought. I believe Bruce had. So watch this. I'm going to I'm going to show you what I think Bruce was doing. This is Eric when I sneeze. And I was like, I bet you he came up with his Kia from sneezing. And I'm listening to this. It, I mean, I, I sneeze like this all the time. Wow. And so I'm like, holy crap. I bet you he changed an allergy attack into a Kia and ran with it. I've definitely never heard that true? before. I have That's no awesome. idea. We'll say, we'll say yes. We'll go with it. <laughs> but to this day, I can't make the sound that he made unless I sneeze. And every time I sneeze, I hear it. And I'm like, wow. oh, wow. Oh, that's brilliant. That's and awesome. how many other things were discovered that way? So these people, what do they say? They say monumental moments, critical choices, and pivotal people equal who we are. Mm -hmm. And these people help define who I am to this day. That's awesome. That's a great Mount Rushmore. <laughs> that is cool. These last few questions, these are some kind of fun ones to wrap it up. For the, the first one, I'm, this one I'm really curious about because I, I, I know you, you've read a lot of the same ones as me, but what's it, your favorite martial arts book? Mm, I definitely have to go with the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Nice. I'd have to go right there immediately. There we go. I kind of figured that's, that's I, I, just after talking to you, I figured that would be your go-to. That's kind of, that's usually mine too. Yep. So, all right. Yep. How about a favorite martial arts video game? <laughs> you know what it was, believe it or not, it's, it's, uh, it's Tekken 2. Nice. Okay. Tekken like 2 is one of my all-time favorites, man. I love the, the, the diversity of the characters and their movement. Uh, and specifically, Eddie was always one of the favorites. Okay. All right. These last couple, you can't pick anything you've been involved in. So this could be a little tougher, but uh, favorite martial arts TV show. Oh, wow. Uh, favorite martial arts TV show. Yeah. Slow it down, Eric. Slow it down. Think. Okay. I got it. That's that's easy. Okay. Green Hornet. Nice. I like it. That's been picked a few times. Green Hornet all day long. Like when Kato came in and beat down Robin. Oh. And, I, and yes. then, and then, and let's be clear, when they made it a draw, even I was like, full, <laughs> yep. full. There's no way that was, was a like, draw. Full. I was like, how the heck was that a draw? Yeah. Even as a kid, I was like, wait, that don't make no kind of sense. Yeah, he gave him a beat down. That was so wrong. Yep. <laughs> and let's be and just just for the record, I did get to be in the the remake. I know, I saw that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. I enjoyed it. I just I wish it would have been a serious, more serious instead of a comedy. I, exactly. I, I just wanted a hardcore action movie. I really did. Yep, I agree all day long. I agree all day long. But it was good. I like Seth Rogen. It was good though. It was fun. He 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 brought a, an interesting. I'll, I'll call it a reboot. Yes, it wasn't. You know what I mean? It was a different, a slightly different version. Agreed. So, do you watch any of the current shows? Or are you a fan of like Cobra Kai or Warrior? Watched them all. Nice. Uh, I'm in the middle. I'm I'm early on in the Warrior. The bits that I've watched have blown my mind for yeah. the quality, yeah. the performances, the cinematography. I love that Shannon is the uh, executive producer of this and that she was able to tell her father's story Yes, um, as it should have been told a million years ago. Yeah, okay. But I will say this. Thank God it was not because this show for the episodes I have seen is phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's phenomenal. The performances are, and I'm not talking the martial arts. I'm talking about just the acting, the true connection. Like there are performances that are for me, big screen worthy and, and definitely Academy Award winning worthy. They're bringing everything. The sound, the, the, the whole production is incredible. The wardrobe. I mean, everything. They couldn't have done that in the seventies, unfortunately. No. And they wouldn't, it would never have been given that. It wouldn't yeah. have been given the respect that it deserves. Yeah. 
No, I agree. Unfortunately, Bruce, not alive to see it. That's the only part that yeah. sucks about it, but still just yeah. uh, what an amazing tribute. I mean, and then to be able to do it in San Francisco, I mean, yes. all sorts of, all sorts of components. And so when you look at it, it's one of those things where it's like, sometimes the blessing is not getting what you want. Yeah, and true. this is an example. This is an example right here. Shannon's another one on my list. I'm really, really hoping to get her on the show sometime. Shannon is awesome. Period. Yeah. yeah she, I think it's, uh, you know, I had the privilege of talking and meeting Linda before. So I know for sure it has to do with uh, her mama as well, because mom is cool, 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 cool. And Shannon was, was always so insanely humble and kind and open and just a, a, an open book. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing I can say about her that, that doesn't capture who she is. Her husband used to be, I don't know if he still is, but was part of uh, the world ethnic council and was into all sorts of arts and culturally I loved that he was open to all kinds of different perspectives. So even their, their kids, their daughter was always exposed by both sides of her family and, and her extended family to see kind of the way that Shannon's seeing. And so it's really cool. It's really amazing. Very cool. All right. How about a favorite martial arts movie? (laughs) Uh, As an adult or a kid? Give both if you want to. All right. So the most influential one as a kid, you know, I told you obviously Green yep. Hornet, but or but the en- one the, the that dragon. was and Enter the Dragon, yeah. yes. But the most influential one as a kid growing up was Five Deadly Venoms. Oh really? Five Deadly Venoms. There's actually two of them. It's the combination of Five Deadly Venoms and Master Thirty Six Chambers, Master of Kung Fu. Oh, yes. These two films. I mean, I I walked around training myself with ten pound leg weights when I was a skinny wet kid, wow. and I, I tried jumping constantly. And and so I attribute my uh, my hops as a young man because I used to be able to do a standing vertical leap where I could just stand, jump, and front kick the basketball rim. Wow. And I have not ever really been influenced by a film like that ever since. Ironically enough, Five Deadly Venoms it prepared me for Power Rangers. Okay. Snake, centipede, scorpion, lizard. It's the same thing. It's, it's Mastodon, Tyrannosaurus. You know, it's it's the same. It was, I actually became the thing you eat. So, you know, you got to watch what you say and you got to watch what you consume because you are what you eat. Cool. All right. How about as an adult then? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm in love with the art of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. I'm, it's, it is a masterful piece of work. Yes. It, each frame for me, I could see as a portrait, I, I could see it hanging on my wall. There's just so many beautiful moments that are done. And we'll say it again. Ah, the choreographer. Oh, uh, Wu Ping Yen. Wu Ping. Thank, yes. you, thank, you, yes. thank you. Thank you. So his storytelling is, again, like Circus du Soleil. He, he's the way that the movement is done. There doesn't need to be words. It's actually more powerful in, in the silence. And that's what Wu Ping regularly did in, in Crouching Tiger and Hitting Dragon. There's moments where the young girl strikes a pose. And there's a young moments where, you know, Michelle Yeoh strikes a pose. And then Michelle gives her a look. And the girl looks at her like, what is she looking? What, what, what? And then the attack begins. And, and breaking through someone's defense by simply affecting them psychologically. Showing them things about what you see or don't see. Or how you feel or don't feel. And, and what's your motivation? I teach movement, as I told you. And mm-hmm. the idea is i tell my students you don't move until you've decided why you're moving and that's e-motion you know and so the idea is you're going to put things into motion but you have to know what the what's the motivation behind that motion if you said run well am i running to or am i running from and what's is what's chasing me or what's causing me to go after that am i running for desperation am i running from anger am i running from fear the emotion dictates how you're going to perform and that's what i see in every movement, in every frame of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's beautiful. Nice. 
right, do you have a guilty pleasure martial arts movie? You know, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe you don't consider it a great one, but it's like you know, it's on, and you're gonna you know something like you know a, a best of the best or one of those where if it's on, you're gonna watch it. You're gonna stop what you're doing and you're gonna watch it. You're funny. <laughs> uh yeah i mean it, i'd be lying if i didn't say it karate kid for me oh see see and that's it, actually it, my favorite all-time movie just because that's what got me going but, yep karate yeah. kid for sure karate kid has such a freaking soul and pat Morito is uh everybody's grandfather yes like, like he's he's everybody's grandfather and grandmother he created such a warm loving character that was so accepting of somebody and the amount of love and respect and traditions and customs and yeah. the boundaries, you know, you got a New York kid who's Puerto Rican and you got a, a Japanese man from Okinawa and, and you know, <laughs> and, and, and he's short. So he's not really looked at as a threat. And, and so, you know, it, the story and how these two come together, one's angry, one, you know, the yeah. tiger, the dragon, you know, uh, it's beautiful, man. It's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful piece of work. I know. I've, I've been lucky. I've got to interview a few people connected with that with that universe, and I've been I actually got to interview Fumio Demura before he passed, and oh, wow. the the stories wow. he got to tell about making Karate Kid just wow. First of all, it had me laughing uncontrollably. He's so funny. <laughs> that <laughs> and awesome. just wow. emotional stories. Yeah, just so so much fun. Oh, so much man. fun. All right, final martial arts question. This one doesn't technically have to be a martial arts movie. Just overall, a favorite movie fight scene. Hmm. Oh man, you're you're making it hard. Jeez, really. <laughs> it can't be easy. I mean, the, the, there were there were quite a few that popped in the head, but I'll, yep. I'll tell you this: one of the fights that left a very strong impression in my brain uh, was Dragons Forever. Oh, Dragons okay. Forever is Jackie Chan and Sensei yes. Benny the Dead or Yep. And Benny is weird as anything in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I found myself constantly staring at him and his eyeliner or. or and if it wasn't eyeliner, then his eyelashes were were so thick that it looked like he had eyeliner. So I kept, I, I was always distracted by like, why does his face look like that? You know, and he looks so mean. And yet in that whole interaction, not just between Jackie and Benny, but also earlier in the scenes of Jackie against one other guy who jumps back and catches his neck on the corner of a step. I remember everybody in the theater in Boston go, oh, <laughs> oh my god like it was it was so bad and you couldn't imagine everyone what he's dead he's he dead like the stun guy is dead <laughs> and so it was so real it was so intense it was so raw and it was so it did not feel it as choreographed as it was you could feel every punch you could feel every kick you could feel every hit and you could only appreciate what these two powerful people were doing nice that's definitely one that hasn't been picked yet. That's why I love that question because I honestly don't know if anyone's ever picked the same one for that. I've had oh, wow. so many. I mean, maybe, wow. maybe maybe a couple, but I mean, it's like favorite movie. A lot of people pick the same ones. Favorite TV show. A lot of people pick the same ones. The favorite fight scene. Maybe one or two have matched up. I mean, I've had anything from Star Wars and Marvel to The Princess Bride and everything in between. So it's Woo. people come up with some really cool answers for for favorite fight scenes. So I, that's, that's why I love that's I love that question. You have great ones, you know, man. I, I, one of my favorite questions has always been, is there something I should know that I don't know I should know that I should know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's one of those questions where you start going, like, if you were me, like, if I'm, if I'm ever talking to someone who's a potential, who's at the end of where I want to be, mm-hmm. I like to say, I'm interested in what you're doing, but I'm, I'm at the beginning from where you are. 
is there something you would tell me that I don't know that I should know and that you wished you would have known when you were where I'm at? You know, and and it's amazing what answers you get that can set you off and start you on your journey from a slightly different place than where you'd be. But again, you have to be open and available and be humble. Yeah. Gotta be humble. Gotta be humble. That is true. I tell you, Eric, this, this has been wow you're first of all you're an amazing storyteller you truly are it's been so much fun hearing about you and hearing about your journey and i i truly hope i get to meet you in person someday it'd be fun just to to shake hands and say hi and if you ever come to north dakota although i highly you know north dakota minnesota i I highly suggest summer yeah i was gonna say not in the winter (laughs) (laughs) definitely not in the winter (laughs) because no one should be that crazy (laughs) yeah summer's not bad mosquitoes are horrible but it's still okay in spring 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 and fall are pretty nice you know we'll go kayaking or something it'll be a blast nice no but seriously this has been truly an honor and i i I seriously can't wait till the episode comes out definitely and thank you for having me brian this was you're, you're an amazing host honestly you're, you're you're very easy to talk with and i love your passion because i can feel it all through like that's what got me go- you got me up out of bed walking around my bed back and forth telling these stories because <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling your energy and i'm like listening to what you're describing and i'm like oh my god this guy is awesome i love it. I, I so tr- you. seriously you have no no idea how much that means because I, I said i've been I've been doing this for a long time. The podcast only about three years, but I've been, you know, I started in radio when I was 15. So I've been doing this a long time and I, I, I do take pride in it and I, I do appreciate when people recognize that. So it's, it's, well, it's, it's been a blast. And when you have someone who's easy to talk to, it makes the interview go much better. Sure. Sure. Well, I can tell you right now, and I don't, like, I, I, I don't know what you're like at your regular job, but I will tell you, you are definitely doing, you are doing what you're supposed to be doing because this was a lot of fun. So thank you. I appreciate it. I can't wait for people to hear this. Definitely, man. Well, listen, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.